Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Eskimo Files, a book analysis podcast for one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, uh, and you can find me on the internet at redtailpop 90 and my co-host is Jade. Hello, I'm Jade, you can find me on the internet at jadeoxidrose, and I use they, them pronouns. We'll be making our way through the books, one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Today, we have a guest. Welcome back, Jen. Hi, I'm Jen. I use she, her pronouns, and you cannot really reliably find me on the internet. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm there, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, today we're reading book 52, The Sacrifice, uh, which was written by Kimberly Morris, who also did 38, 48, and 50. Um, which is very interesting to me because we get a lot of kind of callbacks to both 38 and 50. Uh, well, 50 more directly, but, you know. Um, and before we get in, we got some heavy bullshit, because this is book 52 of 54. Um, we are really in it now, folks. <laughs> if you didn't think we were in it before, we are currently in it. Um, some book-specific content warnings include Andalite propaganda bullshit, uh, attempted vehicular manslaughter, well, murder, homicide, it's not really manslaughter. Yeah, it's very I feel like death isn't the goal, but, but bodily <laughs> harm is, which was why I said manslaughter, not homicide. But, you know, the GTA vibes are there. <laughs> uh, adults yelling at children, fraught emotional relationships slash conversations, especially between Cassie and everybody else. Um, uh, bombs specifically in subway tunnels and blowing up, like, major population areas. Uh, there's some yeah, Holocaust... has got a body count. <laughs> it sure fucking does. Uh, uh, it invokes some Holocaust imagery. Uh, and also there's some casual ableist language in the book, as can kind of be expected with Animorphs in general. Um... We're not going to use that language, but it's there if you decide to read the book yourself. Okay, so the absolutely hilarious joke that is not hilarious. <laughs> Please do not get uh, overexcited about this. I'm just like, the fact that we are reading book 52 called The Sacrifice on Easter weekend on Holy <laughs> Saturday is not lost on me. Um, I am very amused. I was already going to hell for a number of reasons, so I don't feel bad being flippant about it. And we really missed uh, an opportunity to record this yesterday on Good Friday. I don't know what we were thinking. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, also, I appreciate, from the top, I'll say this, um, given uh, our regular listeners will know my suspicions about uh, oncoming events within the books, this title is both a fake out and not. Because mm -hmm. uh, throughout the book, it's set up, you get the feeling like somebody could die, that they will sacrifice themselves. 
for the cause. Um, but on uh, on the flip side, the book is doing a very good job. One of the few good jobs I think it does. Yeah, I said it. I have beef with this book. Um, but it does explore what the different animals have sacrificed mm -hmm. in order to get to the place that they are. Mm -hmm. We sort of see the toll those sacrifices, while willingly made, are taking on them. Mm -hmm. So it's both a misnomer and not a misnomer. Um, it actually makes sense, unlike a lot of the titles that I just squint at in bafflement. At least with this one, I was like, see what you're doing there. Mm -hmm. You can have this one. But, and then for me, why I have beef with this book, because uh, I think there's a lot going for it, to be clear. Uh, there's definitely some structural issues. I know, Danielle, you've noted it in our document and we'll get it. Like things could have happened in a slightly different order mm -hmm. to make it feel more narratively satisfying as a read. Um, I do feel like, and maybe it's because we haven't had his perspective in a while, but this feels like a very regressed axe in a lot of ways. Yeah. And while I can appreciate and understand from like an ana an analytical perspective, like he has also go gone through significant trauma mm -hmm. and regression is a very normal response mm -hmm. to that. But there's something very frustrating about being back in this perspective and him feeling like he's being written to be very, I am alien, I am outsider, humans are so weird. And mm -hmm. I'm like, we've done this dance before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not being done especially well here. Yeah. Because yeah. there's interesting choices made characterization-wise for Axe in this book. Mm -hmm. Like his struggles... Uh, and some of the thoughts he's willing to explore. I do like some of it, but mm -hmm. for the most part, I find it just frustrating to read. Yeah. Um, and I was sorry, sorry to the I don't think this person writes acts very well, is mm -hmm. what it is. Like, yeah, that's always kind of my issue with a lot of the acts books, is it kind of feels like the same the same things mm -hmm. over and over in different settings and without a whole lot of growth. It's like every Axe mm -hmm. book, it's like, are the humans my people? Or are the Andalites my people? Where is my loyalty? Who do I trust? Blah, blah, blah. And then at the end of the book, it's always, oh, the humans, like they're my family, found family, yay, love, joy. And then the next Axe book, we like started all over again. Mm -hmm. And in this one in particular, I, at first I, I was pretty annoyed by it and I kind of still am. I definitely see your points. But at the same time, like, given the setting, mm. like, there's the tensions in the group right now are through the roof, right? Like, there is yeah. some shit going on. And so I can kind of not excuse, but understand it yeah, a bit no, more, I'm, right? Like, I'm, I'm yeah. totally here for Axe being like, I don't know how to feel about these people anymore. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense to me. Like, his conflict is not really the issue for me. It is how it's written. Because, like, there are some of the writing choices for, like, how he speaks as his narrator mm -hmm. voice that seem just very sloppy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I think it's a very lazy way to write somebody who is an alien, mm-hmm. to be honest. And that is what I find frustrating because this is going to be, I assume, the last time we get Axe's perspective before mm-hmm. it ends. And when he is struggling with something that makes so much sense, like feeling on the outside of a group this whole time, despite their best efforts and yours, and then to see that group, which is the family that you've made for yourself here during this deeply traumatic time, to see it falling apart, no wonder he's panicking. No wonder he doesn't know what he should do, how he should feel, which makes the fact that it's being written poorly in a lot of places, worse. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like this could have been a really incredible book with maybe a couple more edit passes. Yeah. Because mm. this is gangbusters. This is full, like, you thought the kids had committed war crimes before. <laughs> <laughs> Those were warm-up. Like, this is the biggest, what we see in this book is their biggest move. Like, mm-hmm. it really, yeah, realistically so. speaking. Like, they've done some pretty hardcore things before, but the what they choose to do in this book and the fallout we see from it. Mm-hmm. Sidebar, this is why I can see how, why Danielle was so uh, clear about expressing things in Dumb Kids when we were like, let's let's just do some shit in the yerk pool. <laughs> <laughs> and Danielle's just like, please don't collapse the yerk pool. It's underneath downtown Boston. It will be bad. <laughs> I don't think you understand how massive this place is. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, the, the, the threat in this book is great. Like, we'll get into it because the book actually starts with it. But um, the notion of the yerks expanding off an existing subway system Mm-hmm. using taxons uh, to get people into the yerk pool more efficiently terrifying and excellent as as evil plans go very efficient mm-hmm. right like you almost like, wonder why haven't they done this before on a smaller scale you know it seems like a relatively easy yeah. thing for a very advanced technologically mm-hmm. superior you know, ready yeah. to do. I suppose divert one subway line and like, oops, suddenly you're at the airport. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I appreciate like their mask off at this point, really. Yeah. yeah. Despite the fact that we've had the governor make this announcement, we find out in this book she's been, it was denounced as a hoax and they full fucking Harriet Jones her. It's like, mm, she's yeah. very tired. Mm-hmm. She needs to go spend some time recuperating. Um, that shit wouldn't work with a male governor. Nope. I'm just saying no. they would have had to use a different tactic. Mm-hmm. Um, justice for Harriet Jones. Harriet Jones, anybody? Yes? Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. No, that was dirty. The doctor done did dirty there. I'm glad yeah, she really got did. to... Uh, we can't get into that. Can't get into the <laughs> politics of Doctor Who. Even if it is arguably very we adjacent will be here to what all we're day. doing, <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm realizing I'm with people that also like like the nine ten era uh-huh. of Doctor Who, where uh-huh. a lot of the really good juicy war yes. crime shit happens. Yes, so, uh, me all the juicy war crimes. Juicy war crime. It's the spinoff podcast. Of <laughs> oh my god! Wait, no, stop. That's actually wonderful. <laughs> Get some philosophers in, it'll be great. But 
that's for another day. Um, this is like everything's dialed up to 11. Mm-hmm. We, we get in, we're with Axe, it's, he's on a scouting mission. And it's bad from the beginning of this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, events, not the writing especially. The writing is not great. But I mean like the shit is not has not only hit the fan, the shit is continuing to hit the fan and get sprayed up the walls for the mm-hmm. sake of being disgusting, which occasionally I do like to do because it's funny. Yeah, it's like there I'm is no moment of respite in these last no, books. I'm... It is it's constant. Just go, mm-hmm. go, go. One, you know, one crisis to the next. Mm-hmm. It, it like, really does have that feel of like uh, in certain games or like tabletop quests. Like, okay, I'm going to go deal with this. It's like the bad guy is still doing stuff while you were doing something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it e- evil marches on like? Mm-hmm. The we have hit the last save point. We have passed the last save point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you sure you want to continue? You won't be able to come back from here. <laughs> <laughs> Upsetting. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't recall saying thank you. <laughs> Let's get into the book. <laughs> it was understood. <laughs> was it? Also, I just have to say, when you said it's dialed up to 11, I really thought you were still talking about Doctor Who for, like, three seconds. And it took me a while to, like, <laughs> to catch up on what we were talking about. Fair. Apologies. 11 also did some war crimes. They all do war crimes. They it's all part do of war being crimes. Doctor. It is, it is kind of who the Doctor is. Yeah, so... All right, have, let's talk about this book. Let's talk about this book. We have we have this uh, recon mission uh, that Rachel, James, and Axe are on. Um, they're just checking out what's going on in the city. They're not necessarily supposed to do anything, just report back what they see. Um, we get some musing from Axe about James and, you know, how he's doing really extremely well. Um... He and the other auxiliary animorphs, um, uh, even though Axe is uncomfortable with it, uh, you know, because he's a dick. Um, and he also muses on, over the fact that he has no authority over James or Rachel. Uh, and this comes up again later with Rachel specifically, that... Axe feels the need to have authority over Rachel and doesn't have any. I want to just clarify or to add on to what Danielle was just saying. Axe's need or desire to have Rachel recognize him as somebody who she should listen to Mm -hmm. is motivated by fear. This Mm -hmm. is not about controlling her in a way. It's not coming from a misogynistic like David-esque place. Right, he is literally scared of what Rachel could do, and that she won't listen to him if he tells her to stop. Yes, he also says, you know, at this point, Rachel barely listens to Jake. At this point, like, yeah, implying like she is borderline out of control and just doing whatever she wants. Yeah, which I have thoughts about, but. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and and so you know, acts because thinking about Rachel won't listen to him because she doesn't listen to anybody but Jake 
and even then barely, um, and James, because James is a lieutenant who controls his own people, um, so he kind of has authority that Axe does not. Which, uh, we, we see Axe struggling with this, I think, particularly because he is so unhappy with the way that the Animorphs are handling things. Um, we see this, uh, in a little bit, um, when they get to, like, a group meeting and after that group meeting, that there's a lot of tension and infighting in the Animorphs and Axe, uh, kind of resents that, um, and also, uh, worries about it. He keeps comparing things to, like, Andalite High Command, which is very regimented, um, and, you know, like, this wouldn't happen with the Andalites, which is false. We literally saw a subordinate, or, no, we literally saw a, a captain kill his subordinate, pick up the tail of his subordinate, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Axe is giving big autistic vibes here because while things were working, even if he didn't necessarily agree with it, he wasn't mm-hmm. going to complain because mm-hmm. it was working right. at least. But now the established order is falling apart mm-hmm. and he is longing for for all the Andalite problems. He's not wrong in saying it's regimented. Mm-hmm. It's a society that has a very rigid sort of structure and ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And when you are feeling lost and confused and unsure of your place in the world, I think it makes sense to long for a place where you did know mm-hmm. and you understand things. And as we find out, it makes sense uh, because Axe has been having poison dripped in his ear, as it were. Yeah. Right. Um which we'll expand on a bit when we get to it. But mm-hmm. you could, he's not the type to rock the boat, but if the boat is already being rocked and he's being told by somebody off the boat, you should get off that boat. You know what boat's better? This, this boat. boat. <laughs> Super steady boat right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, so what they see at the city here is... Uh, that the cops and also the military, um, have blocked off streets, um, and are funneling people to train stations at gunpoint. Um, like they're taking people from their cars, they're taking people from their homes. We get images later of like people in their pajamas, uh, doing this. Um, the, again, as Jade said, the Yerks are full mask off. Um, they are actively just taking as many people as fucking possible into the Yerk pool at this point. Um, we get this reveal that they're using the train stations to take the prisoners to the Yerk pool itself. Um, And yeah, it's, it's an assembly line is, is what it is. Um, and 
the the kids are like, all right, well, we, well, Rachel was like, we have to do something to help free some of these people. And Axe is like, no, we should go talk to Jake and report this to Jake like he told us. Uh, and Rachel's like, no time. If we aren't gone for a few hours, look at, like, the Yerks could produce another thousand controllers. Um, uh, the choice is kind of taken away from them by the arrival of Yerks controllers in Morph, um, in the form of Peregrine Falcons. Um, they attack and it becomes a aerial dogfight slash chase. Um, the James is kind of hit immediately, um, has to land, demorph and remorph, comes up behind the other, uh, controllers where Axe and Rachel are being chased into the tunnels. Um, they go into a subway station. They, they like land on one of the trains to help them get away. They think they get away. Um, but then when they stop to like demorph, they haven't got away. But Axe has his tail in enough time to fucking devastate the majority of these birds. Um, and they have to contend with a couple of like Bajir reinforcements. Um, Rachel ends up morphing Owl and taking out a lot of the Peregrine Falcon controllers. Um, uh, we have, I've got to give some real credit to the environmental storytelling of this mm -hmm. scene. And we see it again with, later on uh, in, a, in a subway train. Mm -hmm. But the use of... Um, we get Chekhov's notation that uh, Axe uh, does not conduct electricity, basically, mm -hmm. um, when he smashes a light because his tail blade is not made of metal and he can be grounded. But, like, the use of the third rail uh, mm -hmm. here as, like, as an environment, the kids using their environment here mm -hmm. to devastating effect. I don't know if it's as true in the States uh, as it is here in the UK, just because of um, the shitty way passenger rail is treated in the States uh, compared mm -hmm. to the UK where it's like very much a necessity. The amount that you are drilled into from a young age in the UK about railway lines mm -hmm. and about the third rail and about how you do not go n fucking near a railway line. And like I have such vivid memories of being told mm -hmm. horror stories mm -hmm. about it and I, I i don't know if that's as true uh for americans maybe if you grow up in like cities and towns yeah. with the subway yeah i would imagine like, probably, maybe in pr the north. probably more so more but, but like, for me nah <laughs> huh? yeah mm. yeah i don't think i was ever on a train until i was an adult so yeah what the fuck <laughs> That's so bizarre to me. Jeez. Ah. Also, side note, has there always been a subway in this city? Like, we've only ever heard of them taking the bus places before. I is think this, it's new. I don't like. Is this established? Also, can there be a subway? There's a York pool under their city. Like, I said, I guess the York pool is just that deep. It's under the subways. Like, 
That doesn't seem stable. I don't know. I'm sure this there's is why, a portion. I don't know. This is why the Yerks couldn't fucking invade London, because there is no room <laughs> under London for right? fucking anything. It is all tube. It's subway all the way down. It's all, it's subways all, all the way down. And sewers. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a thought for any uh, a Chicago dub kids or teenagers campaign. Just the Yerks occupy the city underneath. Look, I have so many thoughts about underground cities. That's <laughs> definitely a thought for another day. Yeah. Uh, but we have this, but I think we've really got to highlight this moment. Like, mm-hmm. Rachel does what Rachel does best, which is fuck shit up in the dark. <laughs> That's not specifically what she does best. Fucking shit up. It's just as an owl is in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to highlight this interaction that Axe has with mm-hmm. one of these controllers. Yeah. Uh, where he knocks this falcon out of the air, stuns it. It's the last this, one. Yeah. And this controller begs Axe to let him go because in five minutes he'll become a Nothlet and that's what he wants. So he says... He wants to be free of this life, free of Candrona and the need, and just escape. And Axe lets him go. Um, it's heavily implied that that falcon is about to get killed by Rachel regardless. Yeah, Rachel, Rachel flies after him and kills him. Yeah. But I feel like we should unpack this a little because yeah. Danielle was much meaner to Axe than I was. <laughs> I'm not saying Danielle is wrong. <laughs> I just had a different perspective. I want to be clear here. Mm-hmm. So, um, we... <sighs> a couple of things... Um, really irritate me about this whole interaction. Um, earlier, we get a throwaway line from Axe um, that Andalite warriors who come to love war too much are shunned in their society. Um, everybody raise your hand if you're surprised. Yeah. No one is surprised uh, because, like, they don't... They're going to see people with PTSD as just another... Uh, disabled person that they're gonna shun for their own good. Um, so other people, so they don't need to be ashamed about being around other people, whatever the fuck bullshit. Um, uh, and this kind of thought continues to come up to acts of Rachel loving the war and loving violence too much and her being out of control and he wants to tell Jake about this and um like and, and essentially tell Jake, hey, Rachel can't go on missions that you are not also on. Um which sucks. Um but about this uh controller specifically, uh you know, Jen, you, you, you posted the question, like, you always assumed it was the host that has the morphing ability, um, or is it an actual morph yerk? We see later, it is literally the host. 
the host has the morphing power. So this bird is it is a yerk in a human transformed into a bird. Which means that if this controller became a nothlet, you are trapping that person in that body forever without any control. And no, there are no, like, every three days you get a break. There is no hope of escape from your yerk. There's no hope of, of, uh, you know, your yerk one day dying or leaving you. Like, no. Uh, and it, Axe doesn't even think about it, like, for a moment, which, I think is partly on the writer. I don't think the writer realized the implication of this. Um, but also, like, it would be relatively typical for the way that the Andalites think about the Yerks and their hosts. They don't think about the hosts. Right. Um, you know, they, they hold, they hold a sort of, like, disgusted respect for the Yerks that they don't necessarily hold for the people that the Yerks control. And they, you know, their acts purposefully holds back from killing human controllers previous to now. Um, because, like, uh, in, in deference to his friend's sensibilities, but like, he would just as soon kill all of them. Um, <clears throat> so it's, to me, it's very much, uh, a thing of like, oh, cool, we're just gonna, just gonna let him go? Like, you definitely shouldn't have. Rachel definitely was in the right for that, to, to chase him down and kill him. Not only because the dude could be lying, uh, not that he could go and do much with his information, but, you know. See, um, I thought, and to be fair, this is my interpretation. I could be giving too much grace. Um, is that we don't know the story of this yerk and this controller. Could be a voluntary situation. We don't mm -hmm. know anything about them. This could have been a yerk who's wanted to leave the empire for a very long time and has spoken to their host and is like, what would you rather do? Would you rather do this? Or this. There's something about the desperation here with this yerk and how we have seen other yerks like talk about being in different hosts and things like that. The option to, yes, be a hawk is better than nothing, than being like their slug selves or whatever. But this feels about being beholden to the empire as much as it is anything else and when I think and it, and it gets mentioned later we talk about Aftran and how she was allowed mm -hmm. to acquire the morphing ability and granted that was her not a host mm -hmm. but we don't know and I think it's wrong that Axe doesn't question it and I think Danielle's quite right to be like um this is bad actually <laughs> But given how much of this book looks to be addressing the issues around morphing and the Yerks and their relationship to this technology, 
part of me f- feels like it could be a mutual decision between Yerk and Katrola, but we have no way of knowing either way. Yeah. Right. It's and I, yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say in the moment, you know, this was obviously a very spur of the moment decision. It's not like he really had time to even think about mm-hmm. it. And yes, that he did not really consider the host in the situation. But also, I feel like this was a pretty big move on Axe's part. Like, mm-hmm. he was, well, was, and even in this book, still is, you know, very skeptical of the Yurk Peace Movement, the existence mm-hmm. of any even slightly anti-Empire thinking within the Yurk ranks. And so for him to, for him to even take this Yurk at his word and let yeah. him go, I feel like it was a pretty big move for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah doesn't really solve the issue of the host being trapped in this decision as well but mm-hmm. um yeah no also i think... I, I i i have to say this because now that now that danielle you said something that made me go i did, i've never thought of it that way axe reluct axe's reluctance to kill i always took that as a him thing not just out of deference to his friends because when we have seen him in like the way he's wrung his hands about it the what he's always been very careful in a way that I imagine, hey kids, you have a deadly weapon on the end of your ass. <laughs> Don't throw it around willy nilly. <laughs> That's yeah, how people I mean, get like, dead. I don't but, I don't think he's like necessarily when I when I think about other books, like whenever he talks about like not killing human controllers, he thinks we don't kill human controllers. Mm. Um, and so we see him, and part of it is because you can knock out a human in a way that you can't necessarily knock out a Hork-Bajir under action movie rules, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, because the hork are made to be like these elite shock troops, right? That are very, very mm-hmm. resistant and hardy. Um, so part of it is the practicality of like, oh, well, I don't have to kill these people in order to incapacitate them. Um, but the, um, whenever he's talked about it, it's always been like, oh yeah, no, we don't kill human controllers. Or I believe there is a a point in one of the earlier books. I don't remember which one I could not tell you. Where he says something along the lines of like, um, you know, my, my, my friends don't kill human controllers. So I don't kill human controllers. Um, for sure. So, I don't know. No, no, I think it's a good point to bring up. Like, it just makes me want to go back and like pick through and, and look at Axe's treatment of, human hosts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. generally and like where his pragmatism and his like andalite brainwashing call it what it is Mm -hmm. versus what appears to be when left to his own devices a deeply compassionate person Mm -hmm. like acts left to his own devices well god we've never seen him outside of a war so, but 
Violence feels like a thing that has been trained into him, not yes. something that he makes an active choice to do. Yeah, I mean, like, and look, that's why like, he takes his cues from yeah. everyone around him. Yeah, he wasn't able to kill Aloran in his mm-hmm. first book, right? Like, yeah. Even though Aloran was basically begging him, and mm-hmm. you know, he had all all of the weight of like I need to do this because I've been ordered to and also this is their brother's killer and also like this is like the major mm-hmm. Yerk leader, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So like even with all of that, he couldn't kill Lauren. So I don't I don't think that the violence necessarily comes to him naturally. But yeah. I do think he's trained to treat all controllers as deadly threats that need to be killed except um, that his friends don't kill from the controllers, so he's gonna not. Um, or at least they didn't used to. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they kill a lot of human controllers in this book. Like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, I just, and, and I suppose this is something that is sort of an underrunning thesis in this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, acts battling with how he feels versus how he thinks he should behave mm-hmm. um talking about his ability and willingness to do violence um so he can't even hate somebody yeah yeah not for long no and i think and this is something interesting because i was uh danielle testify this to something of happening mm-hmm. dumb kids mm-hmm. axe is angry in this book and I think he's mistaking it for hate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he has every right to be angry. Yeah. So surprised that the others aren't more angry. Um, but I find it interesting that consistently, and again, it's probably a parallel, and it's probably a deliberate parallel that this young man was training to be a soldier and consistently would rather be kind Mm -hmm. yeah he's a he's a good boy he is and and i and i do think that this moment really does show a lot of compassion and growth from him Mm -hmm. um like he he thinks about tobias and about aftran and like how they found freedom in their nothlipism um that and and that is what makes him release this controller. And I, th- I really do think it is a, it, it's an oversight by the author that has very unfortunate implications, right? Mm. Um, yeah. like, because it's not, Rachel doesn't be like, Rachel, uh, isn't later like, oh no, we had to kill him because like, what about the person in there, right? Um, Right. What about the human in there? We don't we don't see any discussion of this past this point. We have Axe musing on it, but it's never brought up that this is a controller and not just a yerk. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose interestingly, Rachel never brings it up either. It is yeah. just sort of I feel like the book is purposely leaving it meant to be a little bit vague. Mm-hmm. Um heavily implied yeah it's absolutely heavily implied but the fact that we have this moment and it isn't addressed directly by rachel and stuff 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like that it was, well, this is one of the rare cases where <clears> I <throat> appreciate the vagaries of it and mm-hmm. what that implies. But I'm still deeply like, hmm, about their choice to not acknowledge what Red-Tailed Hawk was involved at the end. Even yeah, that's Red-Tailed weird. Hawk. I was there like, what if that was that one hawk yuck? And it wasn't a red-tailed hawk because this isn't a train moving really fucking fast in the dark. Yeah. That would have been cool instead of just like a cool. random plot of things. Yeah. Yeah, because it's never like Axe thinks it's Tobias, Cassie thanks James for yeah. it, and then it's not addressed. Much more interesting if it was a hawk that survived and chose to help. And like that- James, we know that James has a peregrine falcon morph. Doesn't James have a Doesn't red he? turtle because he acquired he acquired Tobias? I know he I know he acqui- he's acquired Tobias because a lot of them acquired Tobias. Yeah, but but he was using a Peregrine Falcon morph. Yeah, James in, in Peregrine Falcon morph followed circling almost in tandem with Rachel. So <laughs> who is the mystery bird? Who this is, the is my bird? point. This is why I think it's the yuck. It would have been much cooler if it was. Yeah, that would have been absolutely. that would have been a very very cool, very good author thing to do. Well, <laughs> I am choosing to have this interpretation of events, and that's the way I would have written it. Yep. Anyway, um, we've dwelled long enough. Yep, <laughs> and skipped ahead to like the final scene. So let's fill in the gaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, there's like sixty odd pages. Yeah, you know. Um, so they regroup after this, uh, like chase and battle and whatever. Um, should we mention the altercation between Rachel and Axe before we go to the group meeting? No, yeah, I was going to talk about this one right here. Yeah. Oh, sweet, Um, sweet, 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 sweet. Please. Yeah, yeah. They land and Rachel's like, good job, James. You did a good job too, Axe. Um, Axe is like, you came. We did what we came to accomplish, and Rachel is immediately fired up. Like, are you kidding? We've got the Yerks on the run. We're right here in the tunnel. Let's do some serious damage. Axe is um, impatient. He uh, doesn't want to deal with this. Um, and resolves to tell Jake that Rachel was unfit for missions without him. Her eagerness to fight was getting to be too much. Uh, and Axe argues, like, there are only three of us. What the fuck are we three going to do? You know, we need to go and tell everybody else so that we can come back with a much more prepared force. Um, and Rachel kind of, like, blinks at him uh, and is like, okay, you're right, uh, but I'm going to go for Kajir and go see what I can scout down in the, further down the tunnel. Um, I won't fight in half an hour. Uh, and Axe, like, doesn't answer her. <laughs> Is that okay with you, Axe? Um, and he's like, I'm not in charge. If you choose to investigate further, that is your decision. And James finally speaks up and is like, Axe is right. Be careful. Um, but yeah, go and do that. See what you can find out. Uh, we'll wait here just in case. Um, and Rachel's like, if I don't come back, don't come after me. Okay. Uh, I do appreciate the implied we won't. Yeah. 
<laughs> like genuinely. Like mm-hmm. I also really enjoy what this scene says about James. Mm-hmm. Like James immediately getting a read of this. We know he's a peacekeeper of sorts with his mm-hmm. own group. And immediately reading the tension there, just like, mm, okay, I'm going <laughs> to diffuse this a little bit. Yep. Um, but it's interesting because there's a moment in this scene and part of why I find this hostility going on quite interesting, Rachel calls him Axeman in that mm-hmm. fight. Yeah, I highlighted that too. Like... And she is genuine, like, great job, Axe. Mm-hmm. She seems closer to Axe than she's been, like, throughout the book, she's held a lot of distance there. And imagine how much it must suck for Rachel being mm-hmm. like, yeah, the soldier gets me. And then he looks at her like Cassie does. Yeah. yeah. That's got to fucking suck. Yeah. And also, credit to Rachel, who does go off and do a quick little scouty scouting mission by herself and come back without doing a fight. Mm-hmm. Please stop diminishing this girl. Yeah. Like, adrenaline will do shit to you, but she is good at what she does. Mm-hmm. Mad about it. Yeah. It's, someone it. posted in the server, uh, the entire, this entire book is uh, Rachel... Uh, the one gift. Why are you booing me? I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to have the chat muted for a bit because people were getting excited and I was worried about encountering spoilers before I'd read mm-hmm. 52. People have so. been pretty good about it. But. I appreciate people, but my self-control is not <laughs> always great. And mm-hmm. also if I'm half awake in the morning and might click on a spoiler tag and not notice what it's about. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Self-preservation. It is not a reflection so far. of other people. <laughs> You've been Stay strong. So You've been two so more far. weeks. <laughs> uh-huh. Less. More like probably 10 days. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. Yep. Hey. I'm not ready. Like, I know <laughs> what happens, but I'm not ready. Me neither. Uh. <clears throat> But but yeah, I just I appreciate that we're seeing all of these dynamics play out in this yes. book, and mm-hmm. how things are like shifting and changing. Obviously, a key thing in it is going to be uh, Axe and Cassie, mm-hmm. and Axe and Jake. Like we get a great moment with Tobias, and we even mm-hmm. like the way Marco and Axe interact in this book. Mm-hmm. Like Axe keeping an eye out for him, and just like the two of them just being very good at working together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. My ship. My beautiful (laughs) boys. But for a book that's so focused on how the group isn't working together properly, Mm -hmm. they do a pretty damn good job of working together, actually. Mm -hmm. Feels bad for them. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like the muscle memory Mm. is there. But then when they talk to each other, they're shitty. Yes. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Can't relate. Well, I like, never had to deal with anything like that. <laughs> I like that we kind of get to see how the tension is affecting them individually with that, yeah. like mm, from his perspective. Absolutely. You know, like we see the tension as the whole group, but then we also get these little spot, like snapshots of mm-hmm. how his relationship with them individually is also being affected. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, some are more than others. Like you know, obviously him and Rachel have a lot of, a lot of unspoken tension. 
and also spoke intention. <laughs> and then, you know, but he and Marco are doing pretty good. They're vibing. They've been hanging out in the scoop until they had to evacuate. You know, mm-hmm. they're okay. They're mm-hmm. able to, like, just get on with it. So. Yeah. Um, he calls his uh, future father-in-law by his first name. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> the mix of who whose names Axe uses for the parents versus someone's mum and dad mm-hmm. is a... Uh, I should have paid more attention to it because there's a bit of a more of a mixture in it in this book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so they all get back to camp just fine. Uh, Rachel does her scouting just fine because she's very skilled. Um, and uh, we get a rundown of who all is in the camp. Um. And how nice tying alone. up of the uh, plot thread about the the blind girl from the school. Mm-hmm, 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 She's just mm-hmm. here now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose at least they addressed it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> and uh, they have a meeting about what all they saw. Um. Rachel reports about how basically they extended the existing t- subway tunnels using taxons. Um, they know what effective diggers taxons are. Uh, the trains run all the way to the main pool. There are at least six lines leading to it. Um, and it looks like some taxons are working on another line. Um, and James is like, when you think about how fast Yerks can move hundreds, maybe thousands of people in and out of the central pool, they're all kind of like struck by how big a move this is um, for the Yurks and the Yurks' ability to just get fuck tons of hosts. Um, and Marco's like, they're probably going to bring in transports of unhosted Yurks, uh, you know, from like space. Uh, and. Toby is the one who points out that, like, if the Yerks are concentrating here on this planet around this pool, then it gives them a big target to attack and maybe deal a very large blow. Um, and Marco's the one who's like, we can take them out in big numbers with a subway train loaded with explosives. A small nuke if we could get our hands on one. Run that puppy at full speed, detonate it in the air pool, big boom, bye-bye. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh, but the way it is written yeah. is kind of funny. Yeah, But I is. suppose that's very Marco. Mm-hmm. And the inevitable conclusion of where this narrative train has been going is him being flippant about mm-hmm. murdering a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's him delivering the effective logical solution wrapped in humor mm-hmm. to make it less painful. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Cassie's like, you can't be fucking serious. Uh, let Cassie say fuck. Let Cassie say fuck. <laughs> uh, those trains are full of people being taken to the Yurk pool for infestation. We'd be killing thousands of Yurks, yes, but we'd also be killing thousands of people. Um, and Tobias is like, yeah, we've 
been down this path before, and Cassie's right. I don't want to do what Taylor did. Uh, sounds bad. We're supposed to be saving humanity, not slaughtering people who have the bad luck to get in the way. Um, and everybody fucking looks at Jake. Um, and... I do appreciate Jake being like, bitch, do not put this choice on me. Yeah. Nuh-uh. Yeah. But specifically one of the reasons they're looking at Jake, not just because he's the leader, but because his family could all be down there. Like, yeah. he Everyone is else the has the people they love around them exactly. and safe. Right. He's the only one who doesn't. He, exactly. He's the only one who could potentially kill his own family in the, uh, in the doing of this mission. Um, and yeah, Jake's like, yeah, I cannot make this decision. It has to be a vote. Um, and Rachel gets angry. Um, you think saving the earth really demands a vote. And like, this is one of the times that I'm like, Rachel, (laughs) I feel like Rachel would be very gung ho for this, but I don't, I don't think she's ever been very against a vote before. Um, and Cassie's like, the ends don't justify the means. And Rachel's like, you weren't there. You didn't see what we saw. It was like some old war, war, hmm, World War II newsreel or something. People being rounded up and forced at gunpoint onto trains. Men, women, old people, and kids. It's like the Yorks don't even care anymore about finding the healthiest and strongest to invest. They're taking everyone, quantity over quality. Cassie waved her hands in frustration. Exactly, and those are the people you would kill while you're trying to stop the Yerks. Little kids, retirees, someone's grandparents. Um. And uh, this is your friendly reminder that Rachel is Jewish. So when she says World War II newsreel, uh, she is referencing the Holocaust. Um. And and that is that is very much what this imagery invokes is is people being rounded up uh, without um, what's the word discretion without discernment whatever discernment anyone and everyone anyone and yeah. everyone um um. Everyone kind of just like sits with this for a minute. Uh, and finally, Toby uh, basically says, this is a war. There's no question that people will die. The only question is who. Uh, and Tobias is like, I guess that sort of sums it up, but it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, no, really it's like, anything. doesn't sum up anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose what Toby's doing here is like, yeah, people are going to die. It's now a matter of decision of what lives, how many. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Are we going to take Yerks down or are we going to allow ourselves to be killed? Um, right. It's, it's a numbers game now. Yeah. They've always avoided thinking of it that way of the, you know, killing a few to save the rest of the world, but that's basically what it's down to. Point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, the maths has caught up, as it were. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Marco. Algebra has in fact <laughs> found you. <laughs> Even faking your death, you can't escape it. 
Oh. See, you will use it in real life. <laughs> um, and then we get this thing from Cassie that is just so fucking judgmental. Uh, like, why? Fucking this line, I swear. Yeah. Yeah. Because Rachel's like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm thinking it's time to explode a big old bomb. And Cassie's just like, and you couldn't be happier, could you? It's described as her talking bitterly. And it's like, why? 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 Why say that? I have to think we have a lot of moments in this book. Cassie is not. She's on her stereotypical sort of. Yeah, like, she's also angry and defensive. Mm -hmm. We've seen her act this way before, and I can see how she'd feel backed into a corner Mm -hmm. by the conversation that is happening. And Mm -hmm. Rachel just saying this, she's like, well, of course you fucking think we should blow a bunch of people up. Right. It feels like it's deeply unnecessary. In our document, I did go, Jesus fucking Christ, Cassie. (laughs) Yeah. But I can understand why. Yeah. It's a brutal thing for her to say like that. Upsettingly, it is a culmination of stuff she's been hinting at and mm-hmm. expressing in other ways for a while now. Yeah, no, it seems in its own way in character. Uh, I just hate it. It's both in character or not. Because yeah. I don't think even Cassie at her most angry would have say it, said it like that exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and we might be putting it's, it's the phrasing you would like that, wouldn't yeah. you? Or like yeah. you couldn't be happier about it. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the slice on it I don't like. Mm-hmm. Right. Like Cassie lashing out at Rachel absolutely makes sense in this moment. Feels totally in character. Cassie saying it's, something it, like "you you don't have to sound so excited." Right. Yeah. Even that phrasing. Mm-hmm. Or could you please sound less happy about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like something like Marco just made a joke very flippantly about it, and Cassie didn't mm-hmm. jump down his throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be clear, and I will give all the credit to my girl Rachel because if my friend said that to me, I will be punching my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, there is a moment in this book. Where I genuinely thought Rachel was going to go punch punch someone out. I was, was so no happy deal. it was happening. It, it's Tobias stopping her is the yeah. only yeah. reason somebody yeah. does not get punched out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Such a good little moment. I think we're about yeah. to come up on that. Or is it the later? Yeah. yeah. I have to see if I can find my uh, my favorite animals to have real quick. That's relevant. Ooh. 